Welcome to Go Electric, where we cover some of the most interesting topics around electrification and clean tech. Today's show is brought to you by Charge Up USA, a one-stop shop turnkey marketplace for EV charging solutions and expert installation services. Charge Up USA streamlines the process of finding the best EV charging stations and the best service professionals at the best price. Now, I want to welcome our viewers to Go Electric, where we're passionate about making the world cleaner and greener. Go Electric is looking at all angles of the clean tech revolution with the goal of spreading awareness about all of the incredible things that are helping to change our world for the better. If you're like me and you're passionate about clean tech and electrification, be sure to like this video and click that subscribe button below. Today, I'm excited to welcome Kitty Hawksbergen to our show. Kitty is the executive director of Adopt a Charger, a nonprofit organization that is accelerating the widespread adoption of plug-in vehicles through the proliferation of public fee-free electric car chargers, which are adopted by sponsors. These charger sponsors include corporations, organizations, and individuals who donate funds that are used to install and maintain EV chargers in places like parks, museums, beaches, and other widely used public spaces. Kitty, I'm so glad that you're joining the show today. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So let's start from the top. Tell us why you're passionate about clean tech and climate change initiatives. Um, well, really, it all stems from being a tree hugger. You know, when I was growing up, my parents were both school teachers. So um, I'm the youngest of eight kids, and they used to like load up the station wagon, take us camping literally all summer. So I grew up loving the state parks. I grew up loving the national parks. And, you know, I'm just, some of my best friends are trees. So I'm really looking for ways that I can um, not only have less of an impact, but encourage others to reduce their carbon footprint. That's fantastic. So tell us about Adopted Charger and how it all got started. Okay, well, I'll make a long story short. Uh, I'm a longtime EV driver. I've driven electric since 2002. Back in 2010, when you know the cars were going to be back, you know, we lived through who killed the electric car, and this was the revenge of the electric car era, where we we're waiting for the Nissan Leaf, Chevy Volt, uh, the Tesla Model S at that time, and I worked with Plug in America, the consumer advocacy group, to create. Um, a consumer resource guide to educate people about the new technology. Through that, I got to meet the automakers, utilities, air quality management districts, all the um, electric vehicle charging companies. And when the American recovery and reinvestment money was being handed out, I saw a lot of charging stations being crowded in the commercial zone, you know, and it is great that there's a charging station at the Walgreens by my house, but it's a half mile away and I'm never going to use it. So I really wanted to take a look at where do EV drivers want to charge their cars. So kind of selfishly, I started to target places I wanted to drive my car, state parks, museums, national parks, places where people routinely drive 30 or 40 miles to visit and also people stay there, you know, three to four hours. These are longer dwell time locations where you could add a legitimate amount of range in, um, in the time that you're parked. And why a nonprofit? I, I kind of modeled it after Adopt a Highway or, you know, the PBS model where I get foundational funding or grants and then I rely on user support to keep the 
uh, the chargers available to EV drivers. And um, I just didn't see a business case, to be honest, for a middleman layer between the utility and the EV driver. So, you know, you're really relying on those chargers getting used and the places that I was targeting remote locations like state parks, like Fort Ross and Sonoma, it's only open four days a week. It's seasonal. It's not going to get used enough to recoup the cost of installing and operating that charging station. So that's why I decided to take a nonprofit approach. So I don't have to look at the bottom line. You know, all I have to do is make sure that I'm um, providing a reliable, useful service to the EV driving community. And, and one other thing that's important to add here is I'm not an EV charger salesman. I'm not trying to create a business. What I'm trying to do is, um, is advocate for electric vehicles. I'm not trying to sell charging stations. I'm trying to sell cars. And I know that when people that are curious about the new technology can engage in conversation with an actual EV driver, I'm winning. Right now, you know, there's still a little bit of a disconnect at the dealer level when it comes to selling cars. So I, I acknowledge that the best salespeople for the new, for electric vehicles are the actual owners themselves. So um, yeah, I just want to encourage them to plug in and talk to other people about the experience. So you talked about national parks and state parks, you know, beaches as examples, you know, if someone's listening that runs one of these organizations, you know, what criteria would they use to evaluate if they'd be a good fit as a partner with Adopted Charger? Um, I, I pretty much will feel the call from anybody. And, you know, I, I did just recently install EV charging stations at Yosemite, you know, the, the, the number one most cool. requested site I've ever had. And um, Rivian was the sponsor for that, that project. But I'm equally as excited about the charging stations that I'm working on installing in Cabot, Arkansas. So really, it's just I like to go where there's the greatest need. You know, for me, I, I don't see the value in being the 2000th charging station in Santa Monica, California. You know, where I really want to go are places where there currently is not any resources. There's no assets in the ground. And um, it's kind of like I look for those charging deserts, so to speak, or it, and actually most of it comes from EV drivers requesting locations and um, I would say for any site host that's interested in um, EV charging, you know, feel free to reach out to me. I actually have two days a month where I have office hours and I just answer anybody's questions or listen to sales pitches, kind of offer up some advice because I realize that, you know, most places I'm dealing with, I talk to like a facilities manager. Maybe I'm lucky enough to have a sustainability director, but people really don't know that much about what it, what these projects entail. So I think, you know, if I'm able to offer them a little bit of education on, you know, what it'll look like for them, happy to help. <laughs> so for those listening, uh, if, if you're interested in becoming a partner with Adopted Charger, you can check them out at adoptedcharger.org. And you can email Kitty if you've got a location uh, that you're looking to install a charger at. I think that's just so cool. Yeah, and it it might not necessarily be you know a good fit for adopted charger. Oftentimes in my job, I refer people to Electrify America or EVGo, or I might point them to a, a grant program where they can work with ChargePoint to get chargers at their you know, at their business. So if even if it's not something that I 
specialize in, I'm happy to help, you know, direct them to where they might be able to get served. So let's talk about the organizations that are adopting and sponsoring these charging stations. You had mentioned uh, a partnership with Rivian. Can you tell us more about that partnership? Um, yeah, you know, I was really excited when Rivian reached out to me. Uh, they, uh, one of the executives at Rivian had seen an interview I did with the Wall Street Journal and realized that their, their uh, goal to electrify you know, national parks and state parks was very much aligned with the work that was already happening with adopted chargers. So um, they reached out and said, hey, how might we be able to work together? And at that time, I just happened to be looking for sponsorship for Yosemite. So it was like everything aligned for that opportunity. And um, in the past, I've worked with Chevy. Chevy had sponsored some California state parks. Nissan was my first corporate sponsor. They, they um, sponsored chargers at the LA County Museum of Art and also some charging stations up in San Francisco in the Golden Gate Park. I worked with Tesla. Tesla sponsored the EV charging stations that we installed at Hearst Castle, uh, which is a cool. state historic park. And um, yeah, I'm open to any other automakers, definitely. I'm agnostic when it comes to the solution. I don't have, you know, like one true way. I've also worked with uh, utilities. I worked with, uh, you know, Southern California Edison, PG&E, LADWP, Bay City, uh, Electric Light and Power. So um, I've got a, a sizable grant. Like, thank you again, Entergy. Entergy funded me with their, through their Environmental Initiatives Fund in 2021, and we were able to install 28 charging stations. And they gave me another grant this year. So I'm already right now, as we speak, installing some chargers at Cabot, Arkansas. And I've got a long list of projects that are going to be happening enabled by Entergy. The other um, funding source has been, you know, government funding, whether it comes through the state agencies. I got a, a grant from the California Energy Commission uh, a few years back to help out with the California state parks. I've gotten some grants from the um, South Coast Air Quality Management District. So uh, that's another potential funding source. And right now what I'm experiencing, like, yay, everybody is finally wanting to um, be involved in projects like this. You know, I think now that everybody's all in on electric vehicles, outside outliers like, um, you know, banks, uh, healthcare companies, suppliers to the automotive industry, people that are in the clean tech space, whether it's vehicle to grid, a lot of people are expressing interest in, in enabling these types of projects. So yeah, it's really an exciting time to be in, in this space. Well, and really sort of across the nation, I mean, you mentioned Entergy in Arkansas, you're up in California, you mentioned Yosemite. Um, you know, how many different states are, do you have projects that are, where EV charges have been installed? Um, we've got chargers in 11 different states and we've enabled over 400 charging stations. So, um, yeah, it's really, and, and the thing, you know, it took me 10 years to get to the 400. I'll add another 400 charging stations in the next 18 months. So, you know, my job, I, I want to say my job's getting easier. <laughs> it's more like I'm getting busier, but, you know, now is the time where this is on everybody's radar. Um, people are seeing electric vehicles 
and you know places like Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, they, they realize that they need to be ready. It's not just a California phenomenon anymore. It's a 50 state strategy. So oh, that's so impressive. Congratulations. Thank you. If you had to pick one project in the next, you mentioned 18 months that you're most excited about, what would that project be? Are you able to talk about it? Um, wow. Um, I've got a lot coming online that I am really, really excited about. Um, but I mean, I can't say too much about it, but I'm originally from Michigan. So I'm really, really excited for some of the projects I have in Michigan, just because, you know, it's an opportunity for, you know, my dad and my family to kind of celebrate with me what I'm doing. So um, I'm really excited about a lot of the work I'm doing in Michigan and, and Arkansas. I can't, I love Arkansas. I can't wait to, to travel there and visit some of these chargers that I'm installing because the people are so darn friendly in Arkansas. And, you know, one thing too, is I think I probably came into that project with a lot of um, preconceptions about, you know, what I would be dealing with. And I was absolutely surprised to see how people are really embracing EVs in places like Arkansas. You know, it's not um, something where you would picture people adopting cutting edge technology or taking the leap of faith to do something that's, you know, uh, a little bit different, like considering an electric car. But um, the, the response has been super enthusiastic. Everybody wants to have charging stations. Everybody wants to be advancing, you know, sustainability and a, a green initiative. So um, yeah, I'm really, really excited about the like, places like Arkansas where uh, you don't expect it to be a lot of demand for EVs, but there is really a lot of excitement about plug-in vehicles in those states. So and would you see the availability of EV chargers in places like Arkansas? Like some of that excitement is around it being an economic driver for the communities because oh. they're looking to get on the map, right, as an EV friendly place. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of announcements about battery plants and manufacturing facilities. I know um, like they're in Kentucky and Tennessee. Uh, things are happening in Arkansas and um, also Georgia. So, you know, places that you don't necessarily, you know, people maybe picture um, Palo Alto or, you know, places or obviously Motown, but it's really great that this can be um, a new, uh, a new, you know, offer up new jobs and um, kind of help people transition away from like fossil fuel production in, in places like Louisiana and give people opportunities to, you know, reinvent themselves. And I'm really excited about, you know, one back to Arkansas, Lowenoke uh, is uh, building a tech, uh, tech college there where they're, you know, I'm going to help them to, to um, enable training in the next generation of installers and, and, you know, skilled trade to uh, maintain these EV charging stations, be able to provide people the skills they need to get jobs in the solar industry. So it's really, really cool that, you know, not only are they offering EV charging, but they're looking at it holistically about how do we see this as an economic driver for our small town. And um, yeah, proud to be part of that. Absolutely. That is absolutely fantastic. So you're all over the place. You're absolutely 
a very, very busy person. And I like to ask if there are any events or conferences that you'll be attending, yeah. uh, I guess, around the nation where folks can meet you in person and learn a little bit more about Adopt-A-Charger. I actually really miss seeing all my colleagues in person. I haven't gone to an EV conference and and since the start of COVID, uh, the day before COVID, you know, I locked down, I went to my last EV conference. So I am excited because as much as I love the, you know, the presentations and things like that, I just also like the conversations in the hallway and it's a great opportunity to network, but it's also, you know, for me, a, a, an opportunity to learn from a lot of different stakeholders in, in this business. And the next um, conference I'm going to participate in is the EPRI conference, the Electric Power Research Institute um, conference. And I think it was supposed to be scheduled for May, March, but I believe it's been postponed to June. So um, that's the next conference I'm planning to attend. Okay. Well, our listeners, the EPRI conference in uh, June, you uh, might have a chance to run into Kitty in person. Yes. Now, if I have a, a charging project and I'm looking to get that project adopted, yeah. how do I work with your organization uh, to yeah. get the EVSC or, or the installation funded? Um, it's, it's usually, uh, you know, people, people reach out to me and I usually have my wish list that I always have running. And then when opportunities come up, whether it's a state rebate program or VW mitigation funds, then I try to circle back and, and get, you know, work on that installation. Typically where I'm working, you know, in, in park locations, it's more expensive to install than, you know, a, a parking structure in a metropolitan area. So um, I usually have to bring together uh, a number of stakeholders to make a project happen. Rivian was really generous in, in their sponsorship. They, they provided the installation and equipment, 10 years of operation and maintenance. But um, typically I, you know, I might use a grant to get the power to the curb and then find a corporate sponsor or a friends of group that can, will pay for the charging station and the electricity. You know, some of the, projects I'm most proud of were actually done in memoriam to people. Um, I've had a few of those, some friends of Doug Kortoff, an early EV advocate, uh, Craig Childers, who was again, really active in the, the space and is the reason, one of the reasons that electric vehicles are on the road. He worked for the California Air Resources Board. My good friend, William Kortoff, he passed away early at age 32 in a motorcycle accident. So at least once a year, I try to do a project that kind of honors Will's memory and um, keeps his legacy alive. So I have done some projects like that. And then also too, sometimes there's, um, you know, uh, like a project I'm working on right now is with um, a concessionaire at a state park. And so they run the hotel facility and they would like to offer EV charging as an amenity, not only to people that are staying at their hotel, but visitors to the park. So uh, that's another, another opportunity that I've been able to take advantage of. So it just kind of depends, but a lot of times it takes some, you know, um, some patience and problem solving skills. I will point to Evolve Kentucky, my friends that have enabled 40 Adopt-A-Charger locations between Kentucky and Indiana. So wow. it's a group of EV drivers. They're a chapter of the elect 
the a national association, the Electric Vehicle Association. And they're really active and gung-ho about getting chargers in Kentucky and Indiana because there's not a lot of um, interest at this moment from like the utilities. There's not a rebate program for commercial charging. There's not a state incentive for buying the cars. The automakers are you know, um, eventually going to be active in Kentucky, but, you know, there's not a lot of support at, at that level. So it's really up to the EV driving community to make these projects happen early on. So. Kenny, I'm really impressed about these grassroots efforts by the EV community to uh, really solve range anxiety and get these EV chargers installed in their local communities. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about you know what's being done that really impresses you in, in the EV community, and, and you know what some more examples of what's what's been done here? Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, I did mention the, the folks from Evolve Kentucky, and, and I mean, yeah, Evolve Kentucky and all the different um, electric auto association groups. But the thing that really gets me excited are the individual owners that are actually installing the EV charging on the curb. So it's connected to the residential meter, but they're making it available for people to charge in the public right of way. Um, Sven Thiessen up in Palo Alto is one. Bruce Westlake in Saline, Saline, Michigan is another person. And there's a, a bunch of different people like that that are just, you know, they're not waiting for somebody else to solve the problem. They're actively providing a solution. And it just goes to show that this is a shifting paradigm. You know, nobody would build a gas station in their driveway, but to be able to, you know, offer a glorified electrical outlet basically on the street. So people have a chance to charge that maybe live in an apartment or are renters and don't have access to home charging. I know um, there's a big push here in California for people to convert their garages into um, like granny flats, little rental units in their backyard. So, you know, if they're going to put the charger on the street, it's great that they're going to allow other people to use it. Well, there you have it. Grassroots efforts <laughs> yeah. to get EV chargers installed. That's fantastic. Oh, I absolutely love what you're doing. Um, Kitty, if an individual and organizations looking to learn more about Adopted Charger, uh, if they want to learn more about partnering and donating, uh, tell us again where they can find out more about your organization. Um, you can check out our website, like you said, adoptedcharger.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Adopted Charger. You can um, follow us on LinkedIn, Adopted Charger, or me personally on LinkedIn, um, Catherine Ad or Kitty Adams Hawksbergen. You can also email me, you know, kitty.adams at adoptedcharger.org, or um, you can follow us on Facebook. And a lot, a lot of conversations actually happen on Facebook because there's a lot of user groups that um, I engage with through that forum. So, um, you know, be it the Southern California BMW i3 owners or the different Tesla groups across the country. So a lot of conversations happen there too. Well, to all of our listeners, be sure to like this video and click that subscribe button so you don't miss a beat and be sure to tune in to future episodes of Go Electric. Thank you, Kitty, for being on the show. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in and long live the pioneer. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Have a great day. You too.